Shine bitches, welcome to another episode of Just a Quick Pinch. I'm your host, Connie Wang. We have made it through winter, my friends. That is right. Happy March to everyone out there, except Tristan Thompson and people that live in California. Hey, it's editing Jimmy. Who's Tristan Thompson? Uh, <laughs> spring is almost here, and I'm feeling good, except I'm also kind of not. So basically, at the time of this recording, I'm feeling a wee bit under the weather today um, and yesterday. I'm not sure if it's allergies or a cold or COVID. I got tested and I tested negative. Jimmy also tested negative, um, but we've still been taking the proper precautions and quarantining and whatnot. It's nothing crazy. I'm just kind of like sneezy and fatigued, fatigued, uh, a little nauseous, but that's just like another day in the life of me usually. I don't know if like other people are like this, but like literally everything makes me nauseous. Like sometimes, I remember one time in elementary school, I was sitting in an uneven chair leg of a desk. Like one of the legs was a little wobbly and I had to like read a paper on the wobbly desk and that made me nauseous. So like this is just another day in the life. Um, I can definitely confirm that Connie gets super nauseous in every situation. Um, I'm always a little on edge when I'm driving her anywhere. Um, and I recently learned that she gets really nauseous on airplanes, which I didn't even know was possible. Uh, but I recently turned her on to taking meclizine before she goes on a long flight. And she had, she just, I guess, didn't love herself before. Like, she won't even take over-the-counter medicines. She's a fully trained pharmacist, totally knows what she's doing, and still just is like, nah, I don't need that Tylenol. I'm just going to be in pain. Well, Jimmy out. So yeah, if I don't seem like I have my spark today, it's just because my white blood cells are, you know, at war right now. They're they're giving frontline worker energy. So yeah. Anyways, as per usual, thank you so much for all the kind messages and feedback. If you like what you hear, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify. I realized you can't leave reviews on Spotify Podcasts, I don't think yet, but you can leave reviews on Apple Podcasts on your phone. Those really make my day. Um, shout out to T Dental 23, Brittany and Dentistry, Blonde Dentist, Zay, Prince Preston's Mommy. <laughs> I think that's Joyce the Dentist. Um, Sweet Pods, Auburn Chick 12211, and Mary Catherine 920 for leaving reviews so far because I literally read these before going to bed every night and they make my heart just feel so fueled. So that's the best gift of all. Thank you very much. Without further ado, what's that? Do you, do you hear that? It's time for the Hot Girl Huddle. Alrighty, you guys, so first up is our healthcare horoscope. So this is what we have in store for the week of March 7th. So the last two weeks, we had a lot of like major planetary things. This week, I actually couldn't find as much going on. Um, I don't want to bore you guys with the logistics, but the major themes of what I've been reading, one, intuition is a big thing. Like I said earlier, it's Pisces season, so time to really like listen to our dreamy, intuitive sides. Um, I've also read a lot that this could be a week of breakthroughs because there's more of a focus on like subconscious things. It's a very, like, go-with-the-flow vibe. Um, also, I'm seeing a lot of messages about, like, communication, getting feedback, building your network, and, um, like, making new contacts. So, yeah, keep things this week easygoing, easy-flowing, nothing crazy or dramatic. You know, not every week can have this big new moon or a day of miracles like last week. So, honestly, I'm down. I'm down for a week of hibernation right now. But, yeah. 
That's all I have for healthcare horoscopes this week. I just wanted to keep it plain and simple and not use too much jargon. More should be going on next week planetary-wise, so stay tuned for that. Now let's go on to the I Asked, You Answered segment. I guess we're just keeping this name now, I don't know. Alrighty, you guys, so for this week's I Asked and You Answered, I asked, what is your favorite nostalgic late 90s, early 2000s things on my Instagram? Because honestly, I don't feel too good right now. I need me a little comfort and nothing is more like chicken noodle soup for the soul than nostalgia for me. Okay, that's a bit of a stretch, but whatever. I just really wanted to discuss late 90s and early 2000s things. Like, this is, like, my favorite era to discuss. And you guys really came through. So, number one, my favorite submission that someone mentioned. Okay. The paper cups with the purple and turquoise squiggles. I know you know what I'm talking about. It's that, like, abstract print that went on, like, paper cups that you got at, like, I don't know, public restaurants or something. It is so iconic. This is one time I really wish you guys could see what I'm talking about. But I know you know what I mean. So those like abstract art cups. I feel like decor in general in like the late 90s and stuff was just kind of like wacky. (laughs) If I could describe it as any word, like Nickelodeon vibes. Uh, And I love that. Number two, you guys, a lot of people said Tamagotchis. Oh, I had a Tamagotchi. It was like a hand-me-down for my sister. Tamagotchis were everyone's first sobering taste of responsibility in life, so can we all just say like a moment of silence for everyone's Tamagotchis out there right now that are probably like starving and surrounded by the little piles of poop that they used to do? (laughs) Number three, this brought back like a core memory, if that's what like the Gen Z people are calling it now on TikTok. I don't know, core memories, whatever. When you had to use, when you got to use the sit-on scooters in gym class, I'm not talking like razors, even those those were also awesome. I'm talking like the sit-down scooters where you would sit on it and it would have handles on the side and you would scoot around on your butt. Like, oh my god, I used to play um scooter like football, like crabs. I used to play like crab scooter football or crab soccer or something like that on there. When you walked into the gym and saw those sit-down scooters in a pile in the corner of the room, you knew it was going to be a good day. Those and, like, your gym teacher would have a sack of, like, colored pennies. There would be these thin mesh pennies, and you would pick a color. Like, you would either be, like, team yellow or team blue. And they always smelled, like, so bad. I feel like we all deserve compensation for having to wear those nasty pennies. Um, but, yeah, I hope I just unlocked a memory for you guys. Comment down, <laughs> leave a review if you just felt a core memory unlocked. Um, number four, boppets. I freaking loved boppets. I was, like, queen of the boppet um, during like one of my recess sessions I think I remember being like really good at it and then that was it I was only good like that one time but you know for one day my my uh, self-confidence was up there it was a simple toy for those of you guys that don't know where it just tells you like bop it pull it twist it It, there's like little things that you do on this like toy um and the voice gets like faster and you have to do the task faster and if you can't keep up or if you do the wrong thing then it's like ah sorry next time like the guy had like a (laughs) like a very entertaining voice with it Honestly, I wonder where the guy who narrated that is today. I just, I hope he's doing well. Oh my god, you guys, editing Connie here. Sorry if you hear Jimmy's video games in the background. But, so since we last spoke, I looked up who the Bop It guy was. Apparently, the narrator for Bop It, his name's Buddy Rubino. Um, He's still a voice actor, apparently. So I looked him up, and then I found his portfolio. And then I found this adorable thing that I need you guys all to see, so I attached it into the show notes for this episode, the link. But if you don't want to click on that link, type into YouTube... Chick-fil-A the time shop and it's this Christmas short film that Chick-fil-A made and it's like the cutest thing ever I need you all to watch it's about like a little girl and her busy family during Christmas time it's like two minutes long 
So anyways, <laughs> I just wanted to say, can we all give a round of applause for Buddy Rubino? Because I'm so proud of him for being a part of such big things, you know, from Bop It to Chick-fil-A. He's just, he's really thriving right now. So he deserves to be a part of Hot Girl Huddle. And last but not least, number five, one of my favorite things you guys mentioned, Lisa motherfucking Frank. Lisa Frank, one of my favorite things. For those of you guys that don't know, I like don't even know how to describe it. She had like this trippy stationery. It would be like rainbow neon like kittens and like dolphins everything was just very trippy and colorful and there was like felt on them sometimes too it was just like so iconic to this generation okay editing connie here again i know i'm a nosy bitch um i just have to keep digging into these backstories okay so i looked up to see how our girl lisa and her company was doing so apparently the company is doing well you know since like retro things are back in um, she started a collection with like Urban Outfitters and I believe her 21 year old son started taking over the Lisa Frank social media So since then it's exploded. So thank you to her son Forrest because that's a great idea Anyways, I'm happy for her and her company and I'm happy that the kids of this generation get to like grow up and see what we're What we grew up with so yeah Anyways, editing Connie out. So that was some of my favorite things that you guys submitted. Some of my personal favorite memories that I would like just a moment to discuss. Uh, Neopets, the website, that was super fun. Robo Dogs, those like robotic dog toys. I used to like love mine so much. Um, my Scene or Disney Channel computer games. Like, does anybody remember that Sweet Life of Zack and Cody? It was like a hotel computer game where you were like running through the hotel. And then, or the, the Lilo and Stitch, the sandwich making game where you're like moving back and forth and catching the sandwich ingredients and you can't catch the bad ones. That was like literally my favorite. Vibes, my favorite vibe was, do you guys remember when Hawaiian print, like Hawaiian flower print was like really big? Like, I feel like that was on like my bathing suit, it was on like people's backpacks, like their L.L. Bean backpacks, like the Hawaiian flower print, the grip it had on our generation. And then last but not least, I want to take a second to mention the food of this era. Back then, food was cool, okay? That was like the goal, wasn't for food to be healthy or to be like sustainable, it was just for food to be cool, like none of this healthy shit. We used to have 3D printed Doritos, um, like purple ketchup, yogurt, People love yogurt snacks and like fruit roll-up tattoos. Also, does anybody remember when like portable soup was like an iconic thing? Like Campbell's chicken noodle or tomato. They came up with like soup in a portable cup so that it could fit into like a a cup holder while you drive your car. That was like the big innovative thing. I remember seeing commercials for that. So yeah. That was our trip down memory lane for comfort. And last but not least for the hot girl huddle, we have spit talk. Alrighty, you guys, time for spit talk. Here's what's new in my life. So, besides feeling kind of sick, here's two new things. One, very exciting. Jimmy and I have decided to renew our lease for the last year of dental school, which is next year. Um, I'm just excited because this is the longest I've ever lived in one apartment because before this, I would literally move every single year of undergrad, pharmacy school, whatever. So, it's just nice to feel like I have a home base. This will be like our third year here. I love this place. It's a great place to raise Ellie. And this means I really get to focus on decorating and making this place cozy for my last year. So, I'm just like so freaking excited. My plans are since we were trying to do this budget friendly i really want to try thrifting some cool decor pieces i really want to try switching up my decor aesthetic it's just feeling a little little vanilla for me right now a little basic bitch a little too basic um so yeah i'm gonna try thrifting some pieces and doing some diy but i'm excited to see and a number two exciting thing with all this apartment talk for next year and like realizing this is like my last year of school ever um it's like kind of crazy and so Hopefully it's my last year in Boston also because I want to get the hell out of here. 
no shade to any Bostonians or Boston lovers, if they exist. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. I just, I, listen, I just need some sun. I just need some change of scenery. Um, I, like, I wouldn't mind somewhere else on the East Coast, East Coast but just not Boston. Um, yeah, so I'm going to try to make the most of my fourth year and, like, end of third year by really enjoying the East Coast. I used to worry a lot about getting my requirements done, um, and now I'm just at the point where I'm like, you know what, like, they'll get done. It's, it's gonna work out. Um, but I'll never get this time back, you know, in my 20s living in Boston, being in a city, being able to drive a couple hours and stay in a cabin in Maine and see foliage, or taking a quick, you know, like, train ride to New York City. So, I mean, I've been saying this for years, but I feel like this is the first time I've really heard it. And, like, this is my time to, like, live life to the fullest. Once I'm done with boards. And once I'm done with requirements. I'm just kidding. No, well, once I'm done with boards, for sure. But, yeah. So, my second update is basically I see the light now. So, starting this summer, once my boards are done, I really want to plan more trips to places on the East Coast. Especially, like, New York City, for some reason, is really calling me. So, yeah. Anyways, that is it for this week's Hot Girl Huddle. Now, on to the main part of the episode. Alrighty, you guys. So this week, we are talking about stepping into your season of thriving by stopping with the self-sabotage. Okay, these are the things that we are doing that hold us back, and I thought this would be a great segment because I think everyone, to some degree, engages or struggles with this at some point. Uh, fun fact, I also learned through this episode that I really suck at spelling sabotage for some reason. Like, I always think that there should be a U in there somewhere, and there's not. It's just, yeah. But one thing I really wanted you guys to know is that self-sabotage is a learned coping mechanism. You pick this up, and at some point probably in your childhood, because it was used to really help you through something, and ever since then, it's been reinforced. But... Like I said, it is learned. It's not who you are. It's not part of your DNA. There's not like millions of little like self-sabotage adenine, guanine, tyrosine, whatever molecules that make up the DNA strands. There's no like little self-sabotage ribosomes that do like the the protein thing, protein binding thing. Honestly, I'm very impressed right now by my basic memory of cell bio. Okay, you guys, I had to dig deep for those analogies. But you know what I mean, you and your toxic self-sabotage tendencies are not truly who you are, so the sooner you stop defaulting to them with your hands in the air, just like, well, this is how I am, this is who I am, I, I, I can't change that I do this, the better, because that's what's keeping you in your comfort zone, and where the magic happens, where all the growth happens, is once you break free and really get out of that comfort zone. Oh my god, my foot just fell asleep. Let me reposition. Self-sabotage is this insidious cycle because doing these self-sabotage things hinders you from success and achieving your goals, right? And then it's a cycle because then it reinforces your other toxic beliefs that like you're not worthy enough or you're not smart enough, not capable, that you're not like that other person. You could never be like them. And that makes you fall back on those soothing self-sabotaging habits. So stop it. That's it. That's, that's all I have for today. Just just stop it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So now I'm going to go into the different forms of self-sabotage that may present in your day-to-day and kind of dive deeper into it. So number one, I'm sure we all do this, procrastination. Because by putting things off, you avoid stress, anxiety, uncomfortable situations. But then you also miss situations for growth and development. Like sometimes you just have to learn by jumping into the pool. This can also look like trying to do too many things at once, like overloading your schedule, Um, putting things off that you know are important and a breakthrough that you need, setting unrealistic goals or making excuses for yourself. 
Okay, so here's my best tip that I use every day to fight procrastination. Usually when I procrastinate, it's because I'm not exactly clear on how or what I'm supposed to do something. So then I don't want to start it because like I don't really know what's going to look like to do it. Because like if, if you could visualize what you're supposed to do, it's easier to do it. So the first step really is uh, to understand and get clear with what you're supposed to do. Get the ball moving, the momentum is in place, and before you know it, the task is done. And you're like, wait, why did I wait so long to begin with? So it all starts with the itty bitty bitty step of getting clarity first. That first piece of info. Another thing that helps is prioritizing what you have to do pushing up the things that are more urgent and back the things that are not, that's really helpful. And also tackling the hardest part of your day or some some people say tackling the hardest task first is nice because then you just get it out of the way. It's called like eating the frog or something like that. Um, I do see sometimes why that might help, but also I feel like sometimes what's most helpful for me is the trickle effect or the snowball effect of just getting one simple task done. So like you guys have all heard of that thing before where like if you make your bed first thing in the morning, you're more likely to be successful because it just like turns your brain on into like momentum moving mode. For me, it's like sending out that like first email that I'm supposed to send out. Once I get that first little tiny task done, it took what, like two minutes? Then I'm like, woo, I am like working girl, right? I am busy, she is girl boss, time to girl boss some more. I just, I get more into it. So figure out if you're someone that would rather eat the frog first, do the hard part first, or if you'd rather get started with the little task and let that momentum build. Um, Another thing that helps with procrastination, it kind of ties into the last thing, but divide that task into little tasks and tackle them individually. That makes it more satisfying, and honestly, making things satisfying is, like, a big part of getting things done. Um, and also try to, like, eliminate any sort of resistance to getting it done. Like, overworking yourself, setting unrealistic expectations, or not putting yourself in a good work environment. Like, set yourself up for success to do these. This brings me to my next tip. Think back to a time where you were really in a groove. What got you there? Was it putting on certain music, working out before, working at a certain time of day, or getting yourself into a certain coffee shop? Like, really figure out, like, what gets you going, because everything is, it's, it's different for everyone, really. Once you figure out what works for you, stick with that. And before you add something else to your list of tasks, say someone's like, hey, could you want to be like a member on this thing? Do you want to help me with that thing? Ask yourself if you really have the time and capabilities for this, or are you just falling into the habit of overcommitting just to like feel something, right? Like just to feel the exciting fresh start or to feel like you're making yourself more worthy because ultimately overcommitting really leads to more procrastination. Alrighty, so next on the list of sneaky self-sabotage things we tend to do, perfectionism setting an impossibly high standard it prevents you i'm so passionate about this <laughs> it prevents you from taking risks or even completing things because you tell yourself if i can't do it perfectly how i want then i don't want to do it anyways okay i like use this sound like this a lot and i like hate that it's so annoying you're not impressing anyone it just makes me roll my eyes now whenever i hear people say this um or never finishing what you start because you can't get it perfect enough ultimately what makes perfectionism so detrimental is that it prevents progress so people think saying oh i'm a perfectionist sounds impressive for like interviews or whatever but people are starting to realize that that's honestly not some badge of honor to wear if it means you're not going to be taking the actions you need to progress if it means you're going to be stagnant or bogged down by the wrong tiny things or not able to see the big picture look so we all want to do things right right in healthcare doing things the right way literally is life or death so i'm not denying that aspect of it like there are right and wrong ways to do things i want you to do things the right way i'm not talking about that and I recognize that in order for all of us to get here, we had to be this way with perfectionism and high achieving high standards. But you have to realize that there comes a point where it yields diminishing returns. 
perfectionism that's detrimental and at the cost of progress or mental health is still detrimental. And I think we have to find the difference between rejecting that perfectionism impulse and settling. Because settling means you know very well that there is better out there and you don't want to bother trying. I also think settling is like very bad and you should never settle. That goes against like everything I stand for. But people act like if you're not a perfectionist, then you just settle all day long. And that's false. It's not that black and white. You can be like not a perfectionist and still strive for perfection when you can and not settle. I'm not saying never try to be better. I'm saying identify when it becomes helpful and when you're just focusing on the wrong things. I think a lot of time ego gets in the way too with people identifying with being a perfectionist too much. They think that they'll lose their edge or like being a perfectionist is their identity. They'll lose everything if they don't. And the thing is your edge is your strengths and your weaknesses. It's your unique backgrounds. It's your... I don't know why I said it like that, backgrounds. <laughs> it's your unique background. It's your passions and visions and dreams. Being a perfectionist is not what gives you your edge and it's a self-sabotaging mechanism that's been hidden in high achieving fields for far too long. Okay, another sneaky form of self-sabotage is overthinking. Constantly worrying about what can go wrong, agonizing over making simple choices, feeling so much pressure in your decision as if there's only like one right answer when really you're just, you're ordering a sandwich at Subway, okay? Just make a decision. Also, can I just say, I know people love to hate on Subway. People are probably like, oh, Subway, that's your first mistake in making a decision. I like Subway, okay? I think it's pretty good. The bread's good. There's lots of topping options. It just, it tastes and smells nostalgic to me in a Subway. So yeah, stop hating on Subway. Anyways, where was I? The reason why overthinking feels good in a way is because it keeps you in your head and prevents you from making action. So like procrastination, basically. But the world where we need you isn't the world in your head. Like we need you to bring all of your amazing ideas, plans, dreams, and goals into the real world. And a lot of times when we overthink, it has to do with how we think other people will, will perceive us. And it's incredibly freeing and important to realize it's not about you all the time. Like it really isn't. Earlier when I said you're not that special, guess what? People also don't really care that much about you. <laughs> They're not thinking about you as often as you think, and it's really not that big of a deal, so stop worrying about what other people will think of you. Also, what other people think of you is none of your business. Like, say someone actually is thinking of you and they're, they're talking smack. Let them. It's none of your business what other people want to think about you because who you are, like, you know who you really are, and that's all that matters. Again, let me just say that one more time. It's none of your business what other people want to think of you. Okay, here's the last self-sabotaging thing I wanted to talk about today, which is extreme self-criticism. This prevents us from even wanting to try anything. So here's the thing. Our thoughts seem so valid and accurate, but when you stop and realize who put the thought in your head that you weren't doing this enough or that enough or you're doing something wrong, nine out of ten times, it's yourself. So like I said in my first podcast episode, let thoughts and feelings just be thoughts and feelings. Sure, we might have them, but they come and go, and you just have to not put so much weight into negative thoughts and feelings and just let them pass by. Don't double down and be hard on yourself for feeling them. Just realize that they're not an accurate representation of who you are. Extreme self-criticism can also present as comparing yourself to others. Um, if you want to learn more about that, check out my episode. I think it's my uh, second episode about comparing yourself and all the toxic things that we do. Check that out. So, okay, that was a lot about the different types and ways that self-sabotage can manifest into, like, day-to-day -day life. Here are some of my tips for how to stop it. Number one, you really need to have the self-awareness for this. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are, yes, you are taking a step. So, give yourself a pat on the back, pat, pat, pat. You have to take a step back and analyze how you've gotten to where you are today and see, did you make any of these self-sabotaging decisions along the way? 
Like, I'm in dental school today, and my path was riddled here with procrastination or procrastination, <laughs> procrastination or perfection. Wow, I really can't talk. My path here was riddled with procrastination and perfectionism. And so see if you have any tendencies, and that's really the first step is the awareness. Two, once you're aware of the things you do, take a moment to really like stop and evaluate your day-to-day if you're engaging in these negative behaviors. For example, if your self-sabotage is procrastination and um, take a look at your daily schedule for tomorrow. Can you spot the times of day where you might predict that you can, you know, feel inclined to put off a task? Like, can you predict where you might throw in the towel and push something off? Knowing this, be active tomorrow when you're at that step and realize that you might feel this tendency, brush it off. It's just a self-sabotaging mechanism. All right, let's bring some positivity into this. What are your strengths? Because we all have them. By identifying both our strengths and our self-sabotaging tendencies, we can really like leverage our strengths to help us avoid these. Note, when do you feel at your best? When are you like on a groove, on a roll? And what are three things you genuinely love about yourself? Another thing you can do is find meaning in what you're doing and reevaluate how important these things are to you. Is it possible that you're just filling your day with things you don't care about and that's why you're procrastinating more or overthinking things? Find ways to align yourself better to where you want to go. Five, stop identifying with your self-sabotaging habits. Sure, you've procrastinated in the past, you've been an overthinker or a perfectionist, but stop using it as like an identity crutch and being like, oh, this is me. Like, this is just how I am. I I can't change. Because you can be exactly the person you want to be starting fresh every day. Think about what your ideal self would look like. What are three qualities or traits of your ideal self? Now think about what are little things you can do to show up as that person today. Let's say your ideal self is dependable. Today, what can you do to show yourself and show up in this world as being dependable? Okay, last thing, I think it's really important. No one teaches us how to do this in school, but I think it's so important to cultivate self-compassion because self-compassion, like, yeah, you can say like, yeah, I'll learn how to be self-compassionate, but what does that actually look like? So here are two like tangible things you can do. One, think of all the times you've forgiven someone, whether like intentionally or not. We tend to give a lot of people more grace and give people grace easier than ourselves. Why is it so much harder to forgive yourself than to forgive someone else, right? Along the same note, think of all the people you value in your life. You value them because of who they are, right? Not because they are faultless. Because no one in this world is really faultless either. So you have to give yourself that same grace. You are valuable and important to your friends and family and community because of who you are, not because you're free of faults. So take that pressure and wait to be perfect off of your shoulder. What are one or two things you can forgive yourself for today? And here's another step in really cultivating that self-compassion. Talk to yourself as if you were a friend or a child. So I've like heard this a lot, but I've never actually like tried practicing it until like probably like this last two or two or so like years of school, um, I realized like you would never in a million years say half the things you say to yourself to like your friends or loved ones or like a small child. Like I catch myself when I'm editing this podcast thinking like, Connie, no one cares about this. You're talking too much. This isn't funny or entertaining or insightful enough. And honestly, that is like so mean of me to say those things to myself, but I can't help it. And if I wasn't more aware, I would just be filling myself all day with this kind of talk. Like, this is not productive. This is not helpful. This is not what big girls do, okay? Big girls are nice to themselves. Alrighty, guys. So that is all I have for you guys today for this episode about self-sabotage. If you liked what you heard, please again leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And thank you so much for listening. I will see you guys next week. Bye.